Welcome to Clydesdale Media, fueled by C4, Cellucor, and Extend. Use the code Clydesdale to get 20% off the checkout at c4energy.com. On Clydesdale Media, where we bring you the widest array of content here on our YouTube channel. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Hit that notifier so you first know when new episodes are available. What is going on, everybody? Good Friday afternoon. My name is Scott Switzer. I am the Clydesdale. I am so honored and privileged to have with me Nikki Freeman. Nikki, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. It's Friday. Uh, we're heading into the weekend. I do want to say up front, um, if you hear any loud noises, we are babysitting my daughter's dog, and we have a dog of our own. They are both in the puppy stage, so. You may hear them tumble above my head as I'm in the basement right now in the pod center. But uh, yeah, so they've been playing all day. Hopefully they are pooped out and sleeping as I'm down here. All good. No problems here. So um, Nikki, the reason uh, we have you on is one of your friends, actually, who's a longtime listener, reached out to me and said, hey, I got a really cool story for you. And, um, and so I wanted to have you on because I thought it was a cool story too. And, but I, what I want to do is I want to talk about kind of your origin story and then we'll get to what you did this year. That was really cool. Okay. Sounds good. So your CrossFit origin story, were did you do athletics or anything athletic as a kid? (laughs) Well, I tried (laughs) emphasis on try. Um, I was always kind of the gangly, tall, awkward girl. And, um, you know, of course, then everybody thought that I should be really good at basketball and volleyball because I'm tall. (laughs) Problem is, I don't like things flying at me at high speeds. (laughs) So I didn't really do so great at those sports. I was actually more of a theater and a drama kid. (laughs) Okay. I played golf. So. All right. That actually kind of makes sense. There you, know, you go. There, there are a lot of tall golfers. Yes. Um, as long as you get the right clubs. That's right. You're good there. Do you still play golf today? Um, As much as I can. I don't have a lot of time to do it, unfortunately, but I still love it. It's so fun. But yeah, not as much as I'd like. Has CrossFit done anything to change the distance of your drive or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Um, the, the power that comes in your trunk, you know, just from all of the core and back exercises that we do really, really powers up that backswing so much. So yeah, it's helped a ton. And so there, you're actually already seeing the benefits in just a fun way from doing CrossFit. Oh yes, absolutely. So if you were a golfer and not really like into the team sport thing or the the big individual sports, um, what made you want to try CrossFit? Well, once I graduated from college, uh, you know, you're you're looking for things that fit, right? You're looking for new fitness modalities. Um, I tried running, and um, I'm not a great runner either. I try to run still today, but I was experiencing so much pain in my knees and my hips. Uh, Of course, I wasn't stretching or doing mobility work. I was just, you know, oh, let's just get up and run a whole bunch. So I kept trying on all of these different things. You know, am I going to be the cardio class person? Am I going to, you know, do this? Am I going to be a runner? All of these things. And I, while they were fun and I saw good benefits, they never were like sticking points, if that made sense. So um, I would say, you know, I started dabbling with CrossFit probably about six years ago. Didn't take it too seriously at all. You know, I knew the benefits to lifting weights and I wanted to do that. Wow. Talk about a humbling process. You know, we've all been there. Y'all have to start somewhere. So that was extremely humbling. And then I totally switched gears for a little bit and like still dabbled in CrossFit, but really took up yoga (laughs) and doing a lot more with the um, mobility and the flexibility component. 
And then I started to see that is the perfect marriage. Like it's the perfect marriage of activities. And so that's really where I have found myself today doing both of those things pretty, pretty regularly. So for me, when I first got into CrossFit, it was that missing piece because I, I was a four sport athlete. I swam in college. I was very competitive and I'd lost that mm. over the years that yeah. I didn't have an outlet other than my career. And I was in the wrong career at the time. So uh -huh. even that fell short of the competitive drive. When I found CrossFit, it was instant for me. I love right? like, okay, now I can, now I can compete. I can get back at it. And my story is way different than yours. I started CrossFit at 500 pounds. So I've read it like I've heard. So awesome. So when I hit that and it, and I found that again, it was instant love. You, you had to be courted a bit. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, um, I really liked it. I'm a social person. So I think I was loving the social side of it more than the, okay, let's get in here and really, really focus on getting better at these skills. Um, so I would have never considered myself a competitive person for a very long time or a serious person. It was just more of like a fun social thing. And I wouldn't, I, I honestly don't know that. I mean, I still wouldn't tell myself that I'm like a crazy diehard competitive, awesome person at this. Uh, but I have found that motivation that you're talking about and that drive and that little spark, uh, you know, honestly, in just like the last few months, to be honest. So when we, when we were matched together online, <laughs> you, you, I asked you for some pictures um, so I could make a thumbnail for this show. And you sent me like professional photos from a competition. Well, I thought that's what you wanted. I just did a competition no, no, like I a did. couple of weeks ago. I did, but, but it's not what I, from what you're describing now, there had to be a switch at some point that yeah. got you to, Hey, I'll sign up for a competition. Right. And I had done a couple in years past, um, like a few before COVID and all of that crazy stuff. I had a really um, bizarre year last year that really threw me for a huge loop in a lot of ways. And I think jumping through that loop a little bit or kind of getting back on the path is what brought that spark. Um, so uh, I had some health concerns pop up that were just like completely random no, not injury related. Uh, you know, I was just feeling super, super tired and just kept what adult isn't tired. Right. So I just kept like, oh, it's fine. I'm just exhausted, but who isn't? And I just kept going and kept going. And then finally I started to wonder if maybe there was something I should figure out. Um, and so I went and got blood work done and it set in motion like a crazy flurry. Uh, so I actually had to step away from CrossFit for a little bit. So my hemoglobin was like extremely low. And I, I found out that I'm just one of those really lucky people uh, that as they get older, their body doesn't hold on to iron. And so my iron levels and therefore my hemoglobin were like dangerously low, like uh, 5.9 was my hemoglobin. Um, and it's supposed to be 13. <laughs> so, um, so it was extremely scary, like terrifying. I've never felt that amount of fear before because of course it took a while to figure out what was going on. And um, so obviously during that time, I had to step back big time from lifting heavy, from doing any major cardio, just pretty much anything out of my routine. I was still teaching yoga, but that was really all that I could do. Um, and then when we figured out what was going on and we figured out a course of action to address it and to deal with it, because it's an issue it's a, a that I will have now for a good long time, um, I think that's what brought my spark back. And I met some amazing and awesome people, um, started up at Believe and just found that spark and was really, really excited. And so I think part of it was like, proving to myself 
I can take this more seriously. I mean, like I said, I mean, I get it. Like I'm not an elite athlete by any stretch of the imagination, but I think prior to that, there was just always this fear of allowing myself to be vulnerable enough to like look my weaknesses straight in the face and say, okay, tall girl, thrusters are not your thing. So you're going to actually have to do more of them as opposed to cherry picking the workouts <laughs> where you don't have to work on them. So I don't know what it was about. Well, I do. I do know what it was about that experience. It was a very eye-opening experience. And then starting up at Believe just like brought a new perspective to me. Um, and it's really driven me now to want to compete a little bit more, to take things much more seriously, um, to embrace my weaknesses as a challenge to work on, as opposed to allowing myself to feel super defeated by them, if that makes sense. So, so, so let so me jump in here a little bit because, uh, as different as our stories are, there seems to be a similar thread. Okay. Right. So what got me to ask for help from a guy who I didn't know was a CrossFit gym owner was blood work that was done. And I, re and I found out that my A1C was out of whack. I actually lost my sight for a minute. Really? And not, not completely, but it, it, I had a myopic flip. Oh my God. And, um, and so that scared me so much well, that I, that's when I finally said, Hey, I need some help and I need to like get focused on, on what I can do because as, as heavy as I got every medical report, we're still coming back that you're in good health. Hmm. because of all the time I spent as an athlete when I was younger, right? CrossFit has the, um, sickness, wellness, fitness continuum, yes. right? Yeah. So I was like way over here. And it, so it took so long for that needle to come back right. that I wasn't seeing those ramifications for so many years. Yeah. And when it happened, scared me to death. Yeah. So that's when like I started praying, I started asking for help. I started doing all these things and that's when I found CrossFit and it got me that spark again. So the, all of, all of that to, to get you this question. And that is in that moment, I felt so out of control, right? When you get that blood workout, you, there's nothing you can do in that moment mm -hmm. to fix it immediately. Right. And then in reflection, you think, what are the things that I can control to get this back? And that was go to the gym and work out. That was control my diet. That was eat the right foods. Yeah. All of those things. Did you have that same epiphany? I think to a certain extent. Um, I think yes. And there was also a huge part of that. Like I'm an overthinker. I know that I'm a chronic overthinker. And when you are, yeah, right. The, <laughs> the lovely thing about CrossFit is when you are grinding in the middle of a workout, you can't think except for what you're doing. Pick up the bar, push the bar, <laughs> you know, whatever you're doing. That is 100% what you're focused on. And so I think right away after that little epiphany, it was also my safe space because it was the time where you can shut your brain off and you don't think about everything else. And you don't think about how overwhelmed you are and how scared you are and how vulnerable and out of control you feel for those, you know, six minutes, 12 minutes, however long that the wad is, that's all you're thinking about. And so I think that was providing me so much solace and making me feel so good that it just kept like stoking the fire back up again and making me feel like, okay, this is, this is something that I can feel okay about investing my time in. And this is, again, this, this doesn't have to be something that I view as a scary thing that opens up my weaknesses and makes me, um, makes me a more vulnerable person. This is something that 
it makes me a more vulnerable person, which in the long run is going to make me a stronger person. And that's why we're here. You know, what I love about CrossFit is it's not just physical strength. You know, it's the mental and emotional strength. And honestly, I think a lot of times it's more mental and emotional strength than physical strength to get you through some of those wads. The wad of life. Yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> I think it's it was the opposite for me. Okay. I overthink during a workout. Do you? Right. So, so much so that the mental fatigue after I'm done allows me to just decompress after. Ah, okay. Okay. So I'm that guy that like, okay, I got 150 wall balls to do. I can do 15 sets of 10 and then I do seven and go, nope, not getting 10. So now I've got to recalculate and it's got to be blah, blah, blah. And I just picture like the Rain Man scene with all the oh. equations going by in my head, right? <laughs> Trying to figure out the math of how I'm going to attack this. And then at the end of the workout, I'm just like brain dead. Sure. Because I have thought so much during the workout that I don't have time to think about the other stuff, all the, yeah. the crap in life. It's sure. that's on the back burner now. <laughs> no, I totally get that. I totally get that. So it's funny how like we all attack these things in different ways and we, but we all seem the same, see the same effect. Yeah. For sure. So, so you signed up for a couple of competitions. How did those first couple of competitions go? Because you've told me that before we, just before we went on live, which was the first time we've ever talked just so the audience knows that you can get anxious in moments like that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. my one co-host, when she, she first started CrossFit, she started at the gym I was at and she didn't want anybody looking at her in the gym at all Sure. and was off in the corner and, and she's had to come a long way for that. So it, it's a huge step to sign up for a competition. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, like I had told you, I'd done a few many years ago or not many, but a handful of years ago. And then I had not competed for a, a few years. And so I just did one, gosh, like a month ago and, I can honestly say that that was the first time that I really, truly had fun in a competition. I think any other time I was a little stressed out. I was pretty anxious. It was like, okay, just get it done. Like, uh, and honestly, I have so much more fun cheering for everybody. <laughs> like that's, that's half the reason I signed up is because it's so fun to cheer for everybody in that just fired up atmosphere. Um, but this last one, it was a four-person competition. It was the Battle of the Brave in Kansas City. And it just, it was so fun. Like the venue is really remarkable. It's a very large competition. They have a DJ who is playing like the best music ever. So honestly, like I just went out and had a good time. Like I was kind of dancing around when it was my break time and my partners were doing their thing. And um I, this was the first time that it was fun. So there definitely was a mentality switch and, and it's, it's made me really happy to have that switch. Uh, so yeah, you know, just try to em embrace it and approach these things with a little bit more joy as opposed to stress and expectation. So if people haven't seen the thumbnail for this, this show, there's a picture of you carrying a sandbag <laughs> with the biggest smile on your face. That was round one. <laughs> okay. But yeah. But and honestly, no, nobody needs to know that it's a, it's a picture. It's a yeah. snapshot in time. You could, that was round 10. It was so easy. See, it's, it's all how you spin the narrative. You're totally. Yeah. You are absolutely right about that. You are right. Um, and the funny thing is when I sent that to you, um, I don't remember if I put this in the email or not, but I was you going did. to actually, okay. I was, yeah. Where it's like, that is probably the most accurate representation of what you're going to see in me at CrossFit. <laughs> I love that too. I, and, and you have to have those people in a class to just lighten the mood. So everybody's having a good time. Well, sure. I think they are essential members um, to any CrossFit class. And a team, because if you're too stressed out, you need that person that just breaks the energy and, uh, and lets you laugh. So I am sure your teammates approved and oh. we're glad that you were there doing that for them. 
Well, thank you. They were pretty amazing. The other, it was good. The other story I'm going to share is I was at Wadapalooza this year and Allison Scuds, I don't know if you know her. Well, of her. I've never met her, but I know of her. Okay. So she was out on the floor. I was taking pictures from the media pit and she was in the lane right beside the media pit. She's having to do a barbell hold, some heavy weight, don't know what it was, while her partner is climbing the rope. And a journey song comes on and she is singing full force as loud as she can to where we can hear her while she's holding the barbell. And she's like hitting the high notes and everything. Um, And I just thought, man, that is just the perfect picture of someone who's having a blast at what they're doing. That's awesome. That is absolutely awesome. So she may be your spirit animal. I I was just thinking like, these are my people. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So you talk about having fun and then I don't know how, well, first of all, I got to say, this is probably the most nervous I've been for a podcast because I saw what you do for a living. Oh yeah. (laughs) You're, you're amazing. Don't be nervous at all. So you are the uh, professor of communications uh, uh, in Missouri. Yes, at the University and of then, Central Missouri. Okay. And so how long have you been doing that? I've been there now since 2011. Wow. So a little. A so little I, was, I was originally a communications major. I love it. And then uh, for some dumb dumb reason i switched my major then went on to get a master's in a in a thing that i don't even like oh. and and now late in life at the age of 50 i started a podcast so i could go back to my roots you know what though it's it's all part of the journey it's all part of your narrative and you needed those other experiences to get you here so it's okay yeah and now <laughs> i found what i love and i don't want to do anything else in my life Awesome. So what made you want to be a professor? One and two, why communications? Well, I knew I always wanted to go into education. Um, I like to joke around that I am the most supported black sheep of the family you will ever meet. So my family, they are all brilliant. Like they're just brilliant people. And they all were in the medical field. And so, of course, naturally, I felt that I needed to go into the medical field in some way, shape, or form. Very quickly realized that science and math, not my thing. (laughs) And so, actually, my dad was the one that strongly encouraged me to go into communication. And um, like I said, I knew I wanted to teach. And I told you I was a drama, a speech and theater kid when I was growing up. And so I thought I wanted to be an English and speech and theater teacher. And so that's what I went to school for uh, originally. And um, as I progressed through life, I, funny thing is, I never thought I would go on for any more advanced degrees. Like I walked across the stage with my undergrad and I was like, I am done with school forever. And then I just kept going back. (laughs) So um, I stayed in- I've said that a few times in my life. You know, it happens. It's okay. We just go, we adapt and roll with it. Um, So I had done, I'd stayed in education, but I was teaching in a lot of non-traditional settings. I love the outdoors. So I was actually, you know, teaching at botanical centers and um, I was doing outdoor education for a little while. And then while I loved all of that, I really started to miss communication. So I was on my competitive speech team in college. (laughs) Like I said, there it is. Yeah, there it is. There's that competitive, competitive fire. We found it. Yep, exactly. In, in talking in jaw day, I'm very good at jaw day. Um, so I just started to really, like you said, I missed my roots and my dad said, why don't you go back and get your master's degree in communication? And I did, and I loved every single minute of it. And then I just was in the right place at the right time. So when I graduated with my master's degree, the program that I graduated from, they were projecting major budget cuts from the state. And so they were trying to do a little bit of a preemptive strike here to save money. 
So they offered an early retirement incentive package to all of the near retired age faculty on campus. And a third of the communication department took it the year I graduated. So all of a sudden, there were a lot of emergency hires that needed to take place. And so they talked to me about coming on as an instructor and then also coaching our speech and debate team. So I did that and it was great. And then it opened up even more doors. So then I went on for my doctorate while I was teaching at the university and coaching the team, got my doctorate and have just, I've stayed there ever since. And I absolutely love it. I just, I love it. So, um, you know, I never anticipated that this would be my path, but I am so thrilled that it has been my path. So how competitive are you with the debate team? <laughs> well, you know, we, uh, they are a phenomenal team. I have since stepped away from coaching a little bit. Um, I now am the director of the basic course, which means I'm in charge of our public speaking curriculum across our, uh, across our campus. So, um, while we were like, while I was working with them though, and, and they still are super, super competitive, but always uh, top competitors in the state, very good at the national level as well. And, you know, we take them overseas, which is what led to the open this year. We take them overseas for a study abroad experience where they can learn British parliamentary style debate. And while there are times and opportunities for them to do that here in the States, our thought process is, why don't we just take them to Britain? <laughs> because it will just be so much more of an enriching learning experience. So we turned it into a pretty awesome study abroad. <laughs> and that's what we call in the business as a perfect segue. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> there we go. So the reason we have you on is that you decided for the first time to officially sign up for the open. And at the same time, you were going to go overseas with the team yeah. and not be at your home gym for the open for this year. A little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so walk us through the thought process in wanting to still do it, knowing you were not going to be home. Right. Well, a big reason I wanted to do it was, first of all, so much awesome encouragement and support from uh, people at my home gym. And, uh, you know, I think some of them knew the things that I wrestle with in terms of, you know, that vulnerability and addressing, you know, your weaknesses and not being afraid of a bit more of a challenge. So I had a ton of encouragement there. And I didn't really think about the timeline at all until I signed up. And then I started to realize like, oh, we usually go on this trip a little bit later in the semester. So I thought that it wasn't going to coincide the way that it did. So, of course, I signed up and then I realized <laughs> the dates were like all I mean, we left the day we left on Friday. So the open, the first workout was released Thursday night. We left Friday morning. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So basically the whole time. <laughs> so at that point, do you get online and look for gyms where you can drop in Yep. and then arrange for that to happen ahead of time? Yep. And were there, was there any wish list kind of things that you wanted to happen when you went over? Did you do it at more than one gym? I, yeah, yeah. So we traveled the entire time. And so then I started to realize like, oh my goodness, um, this the way the timelines are lining up, this is kind of funny. I'm going to have the opportunity to do one in a different country every time. So uh, I got on the CrossFit website and started looking at gyms, looking at their timetables and schedules to see when I could line things up because it... I mean, it was a it was kind of an effort to coordinate all of this because we're also leading a study abroad trip. So we have quite a few time commitments for that. And so trying to figure out, you know, when I could drop in and do a workout, um, when I can, you know, have an, a, mo a moment away from the team and the, the study abroad group. So figuring all that out was a little bit challenging. 
but um, the gyms, the boxes were so, so wonderful. Like, you know, we talk about how great the community is all the time. And I know that's so cliche, but wow, this experience just reiterated that a thousand percent. It was, it was so amazing what some of these people did just to accommodate some random, awkward, gangly girl who doesn't understand kilos. <laughs> I mean, didn't even, <laughs> didn't even think about that aspect. Oh yeah. <laughs> Did the, do they, are there rules in like meters, centimeters, or was it inches as well? Or did, did you just was, take it? The tape lines were there already. Yep. The t- they okay. were so good. They were so good about making sure that everything was just set up. And, you know, they were going to be doing it with like tons of people anyway, but um, they were really, truly awesome. You know, I did one of them in London and bless this girl's heart. Her name's Monica. She's a phenomenal coach. And she just looked at me and she was like, you know what? I I will lay out all of the weights like in a line. So you just go in order of the weights. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And she was so great about changing out my barbell and, you know, assisting everything and, um, you know, trying to figure out the max thruster was pretty hysterical because I was like, I don't even know what to put on there. Just slap some stuff on and I guess we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks later, you realize you PR'd by 30 pounds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, I had never even attempted a thruster more than 85 pounds before that day. So yeah, we just kind of put some weight on and went from there. And I laughed a lot. We laughed a lot in that whole process. Um, I'll I try say, a green one and yeah. a blue one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I was like, well, that, okay, that <laughs> looks, okay, let's try it. So, you I did, mean, I you did admit that math and science were not your strong suit. Oh yeah, absolutely. And this, um, this definitely exemplified that, but you know, it was all fun and part of the process as well. So let's, let's walk through the timeline a little bit. Okay. Did, first of all, did you work out at any gyms that were not open workout related Yeah. or were you? So, so you did other drop-ins in oh, addition yeah. to open workouts. Yeah, yeah. My gosh, that sounds like so much fun. It, you know, like I, I'm a, I love meeting people and I love observing people. And it's also really neat to see the different layouts of facilities. Uh, so yeah, that was part of my highlight is getting to just experience a lot of different places throughout this entire time. So when I, when I, um, used to travel for work. Um, I used to have to go to different conferences in different States. I would always drop in wherever I went because you just learn new things that your gym doesn't do. Or maybe you learn that, Hey, my gym's pretty doggone good because it's better than this or, you know, little things like that. And I always love that experience. And I don't really travel as much for work anymore. So I don't get to do that as often. So what, what were some of the highlights of just the regular drop-ins? Well, I mean, I think for me, again, seeing the facilities were, were really, really neat. Um, a lot of places I tried to drop in so I could get a lay of the land and I would do just like an open gym prior to doing and then coming back the next day. Um, but in Wales in particular, in Cardiff, I wanted to see both of their or uh, two of their CrossFit facilities for sure. So, um, you know, just getting to, to check out how they, like you said, like how they coach, how they program, um, you know, what their facility looks like, just meeting the people and talking to the people. It was, it was a really, really awesome experience. That's for sure. Can you give us some of the names of the gyms? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, CrossFit Dublin, which is, that one is obviously in Dublin and it's a, attached to a much larger, like crazy, super fancy gym. I was like, wow. Um, and it's Perpetua. I think that's how you say it. Um, so it's embedded in that facility and wow, just gorgeous. Holy moly. So nice. And then in um, Cardiff, I stopped in at CrossFit Cardiff. 
And then I did the open workout at Dragon Athletics and both places, super, super cool. Um, I feel like the people at Dragon went above and beyond to help me figure this out. They just were so great about having a coach there and my own timer because they were running a class and then allowing me to do this you know, in a separate part of the gym. And so they had someone there, they marked off all the tape lines, they had all the weights ready. Um, they actually did have uh, pounds. So that was pretty good. <laughs> a little bit easier. Bonus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when I was in London, um, well, and you can't, you can't help but get fired up being at oh, yeah. Dragon Athletics. I mean, right? I know, I know. Yeah, super pumped. And then uh, in London, I went to Wit London. So that was super neat as well. Oh, and then I also in Dover, um, I went to White Cliffs CrossFit and that's in, um, a town right next to Dover. Uh, so that was pretty fun too. Yeah. So I mean, did you get to experience the White Cliffs? I did. I actually hiked up the White Cliffs of Dover a couple mornings for my workout that day. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like such a cool experience. You know, it really was. It was. So with, with that, I mean, the white clefts, the white cliffs of Dover are so iconic. Yeah. Did you do any other kind of iconic things like that in place of a workout for the day? Uh, you know, hike the hiking, the white cliffs was definitely probably the most iconic, you know, sort of workout thing. Um, I tell you Dover castle is like on top of this hill that get into the just climbing around the Dover castle is a workout in and of itself, but so worth S- it. Sounds like an Ed Sheeran song. Yes, I know. <laughs> right? It totally does. <laughs> um, and then we just do so much walking when we're on the trip. So uh, I also love, like I told you, I'm not a great runner, but I do love to run in St. James Park, which is the park that is right outside of Buckingham Palace. It is just beautiful. Uh, it's just one of the most serene and lovely places ever. I just, anytime I step on those grounds, I just feel so at peace and so happy. So I do like to go walking or jogging while I'm there too. So wit that place I've seen on film, I've never been there in person looks amazing. It is. Yeah. And they're all so, so kind. So awesome. So the big question would be, you've got to, you got to drop into all these CrossFit gyms. Uh-huh. Did you get a memento from all of them? <laughs> I did. Yeah. To course. like celebrate the trip. I did. I got a lot of tank tops. Oh, and then I also dropped in at Fort, um, in London as well for, um, a, just an open gym session. Also super, super cool facility run by some really awesome women. I mean, just, it was awesome. It was great. So yeah, I bought some tank tops. I I have all sorts of souvenirs from all of this. (laughs) So 22, 23.1, where did you do that one? Dublin. And how did that one go? Um, it was rough. (laughs) I was very jet lagged. Uh, you know, so it, it was rough. It, I actually did it two times in Dublin um, because I was really disappointed with the first attempt. I can't do ring muscle ups. I knew I was never getting to that point anyway. But, you know, just getting acclimated to a new place, uh, you know, feeling super jet lagged. So it was a little overwhelming. It wasn't the greatest start. And so I went back and redid it and felt much better. Uh, that second time, you know, one of the coaches there was like, oh, try this part of the rig. It's a little bit less slippery. She was lovely. She was trying to give me all sorts of pointers. And um, so that helped tremendously. And yeah. And so I felt, I felt better about that. <laughs> well, and that's, that's one thing that people probably take advantage of when you work out in your home gym all the time, you know, which bar is your bar, yep. you know, yep. which, which dumbbell you like the best, which right? When you're dropping in for every workout, you have no clue. No idea. Yeah. No idea. So then you go to 23.2 A Uh A and B and you already said the kilograms got you on the thruster. You don't even really know what you lifted. (laughs) Um, But how did the first part go? Um, You know, it went fine. I'd 
I did that one twice as well. I did that one in Wales and then I did it again in Dover. And um, the first time I was like, okay, all right. You know, like I'm able to put my nose down and grind. I'm certainly not the fastest, but I can, I can go for a while. So I felt okay about that one. I tell you, when I redid it, the round of 15s, I was like, why, why, why? <laughs> but I kept on grinding. <laughs> Well, it's your first journey open. And so I learned back in like 2014, redos just are not good for me. Yeah. Yeah. I invest a lot of time and a lot of energy to get like two more reps or not even do as well as the first time. So I'm a one and done Been you know for a what? couple of years. I think I'm going to take that approach next year. <laughs> so, so you did that in Wales and Dover. Uh-huh. And then how'd the thruster go? You said you'd you'd never even thrustered more than 85 right. going into the open. Did you PR? I did. I did. I mean, I was really happy with it. I know that a thruster is the is one of the lifts that I need to work on. Um, certainly wasn't, wasn't breaking any records with it, but I was really happy with it for me. So yeah, I did. I did. Well, and I think in England, they say PB instead of PR. Yes. Yeah, they do. I know. And I was like, peanut butter? I do. Okay. <laughs> I, I can PR some PB. I'll tell I you totally that. I totally could PR some PB. <laughs> Watch <laughs> me throw this down. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then I know that it was towards the end of your trip. You did 23.3. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then you you did it again, too. Because I, I know did. you did that in your home gym yeah. as well. Yeah. So where did you finish up in Europe? At WIT. Yeah. And work. I was, um, not happy at all. I mean, I was, I was happy. I was pleased, but I was like, man, I know that I could have done better. I mean, that was, that was basically two weeks of eating out for every meal. And I tell you, I was trying as best as I could. Like I brought so much protein powder with me and meat sticks and you do as best as you can, but you can't do as good as when you're at home in your routine. So I was definitely feeling sluggish for sure. Um, and so I thought, okay, well, what, what was it. like, what was that like through customs? <laughs> they didn't say anything, man. I had my fingers crossed though. Cause I was like, <laughs> cause I had it all already portioned out. So I had so many teeny tiny bags, of bags of powder. powder. Yeah. yeah, I held been my breath. there, done that. That's yes. why I asked. held my breath, crossed my fingers, and hoped for the best. <laughs> I can just see like, oh, it's chocolatey. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then coming home, it was great. I. I didn't honestly want to do it. Like I was so tired. I was very jet lagged on the way back as well. But I, you know, I wanted to like try it again because I thought maybe I could do a, a little bit better. Um, 95 pounds on a thruster is a lot for me. Like that's my max. And so I I went into it not terribly hopeful. Um, but I tell you there's just something about being at home, right? Um, I felt, oh, I'm going to get teary eyed. <laughs> so like I was so exhausted, didn't want to do it. So um, the coach started the timer and here we go with the wall walks. And all of a sudden I noticed a bunch of people coming over to cheer. And I just immediately was like, I'm so glad <laughs> to be doing this here. And, um, you know, just having them there cheering me on, giving me tips on those heavy thrusters and then um, doing better than I hoped, um, you know, for me, for me, um, it made like it felt so, so good. And it it was like the perfect ending, I guess. You know, I, I'm so glad that I decided that I was going to do it again even though I didn't want to, but doing it there, I believe felt so good and so right. And so I'm really happy that it ended there. It was like, it, it made me a believer in the magic of the open. Yeah. I think it's appropriate too, right? That yeah. the open gets to finish in your home gym. Yeah. You'd finally mustered up the courage to sign up. You had to do it in a weird way, which was fun <laughs> and exciting. 
Yeah. But at the end of the week, but the end of the day, that last workout you got to do with your family. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. So it's okay to tear up. Oh, we okay. all do at times. <laughs> um, so overall, would you, would you do the experience again? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Any plans to do like another trip where you do a bunch of drop-ins, not necessarily around the open, but maybe just. Yeah. Well, you know what? Like I started trying to drop in more, um, probably about a year ago, but again, like I would always go in kind of guarded, you know, cause again, there's that level of vulnerability and it's a little bit scary. And this made me embrace that in a way that is just so different. And, um, and I, this is definitely going to be a part of my routine now because you get to meet some of the most awesome people and you just have to allow yourself to be a little bit more open and a little bit more vulnerable. Like it's okay to have those anxious feelings when you step inside the door, because guess what? We've all had them. Everybody who steps inside that door for the first time has them. But when you step in that door, like a whole nother world opens up and uh, you know, the people you meet, the experience that you get to have, it's worth it. It's worth that feeling of anxiousness for a little bit. Well, and sometimes you have to get uncomfortable. Yes. In life to be able yes. to have fun and enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I, I want to finish up this part of the conversation with the catalyst of all this was blood work. Yeah. How, how are you today? Um, I'm doing much, much better. It's like, like I said, it's something that's now a part of me. So I have to constantly monitor it. Um, so it, it rises and falls. Unfortunately, I'm trying to eat a lot more iron dense foods. Uh, but unfortunately that's not quite enough. So, um, we have to just keep an eye on it. And then every once in a while, I do have to go in for an iron infusion to boost it up a little bit more and keep me a little bit more stable for a little while, you know, I mean, but thank goodness, like, praise God, that's what it was. Cause there could have been a lot of other yeah. things that it was. And so the fact that it's something manageable and in the grand scheme of things, it's not preventing me from doing anything at this point. Um, we'll take that as a win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I want to go in a little bit of a different direction because I did some research and I found something out about you and it goes along with something I've been talking about recently. And that is kind of like the power of the open. And I think that CrossFit has been over criticized about what the open was like. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people like me out there now that have a microphone that talk about what the, what the open is. And my contention is that CrossFit just needs to ignore the noise, step back and define what they want it to be and move forward. And so I looked at what your doctoral dissertation was on. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Wow. And it was on lever leverage leveraging university mission statements. So I think that it would go a long way for CrossFit to come up with a mission statement for what they want the open to be. I think that's a fantastic idea. One, it will help them market it mm -hmm. to say what it is they want it to be. And it's not just a part of the game season. It's so much more than that for so many people. And right. I think they're miss they're trying to explain it, but they're not quite there because I don't think they've defined it. Yeah. No, that that's a very valid point. That makes a lot of sense. So I wanted to get, and I know I'm not giving you any warning at all. <laughs> I I wanted your take on that. From, yeah. from someone who has studied how that can impact a university. Right, right. No, how, I, how do you think that could impact CrossFit? You know, I mean, it, 
mission statements are such an interesting thing, right? So when I was doing my research, it was really focused on a lot of times we come up with these very ethereal and sort of philosophical mission statements, which are lovely. But at the end of the day, how do you prove that you're fulfilling your mission? And so a big part of that research was looking at how do you operationalize your mission statement? How do you measure your mission statement? And so that was really the catalyst of my research for my dissertation, which, holy cow, I'm so impressed that you <laughs> went and looked at that. Um, wow, I'm very impressed. But I totally think that you're onto something here uh, because it is that driving force and it can be the, you know, it, that it can be the element that really brings the entire community together and make sure that everybody is on the same page and centered and focused in one, like one direction, you know? And so I, I suspect that one of the reasons that it's been pretty tricky for CrossFit is because the open does serve many purposes, you know? So coming up with a mission statement that is all encompassing of those purposes would be difficult but I do think that it's doable and it would be extremely beneficial. Yeah. Cause if you think about, and I probably geek out more about this than you do. Oh, I from have, 2008. I <laughs> so 2018, everything changed, mm -hmm. right? You know, new CEO, new format to the games, new format to the open, uh, national champions, all kinds of stuff. Right? right. Then 2020 comes, we get COVID to that later in 2020, the owner sells uh -huh. new ownership, new CEO. A year later, that CEO steps down. Right. Now we have a new CEO. He's been in there for not even a year. So how, how do you, how is it possible to know the mission when we barely know who the leader is? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a very, very, very good point. And on, I think it's very easy for the public to focus on how much change has occurred and, you know, analyze why and what is causing that change. And we become so hyper-focused on that, that we forget the fact that while all this change is happening and it is worthy of our time to identify why and what is causing that change, at the end of the day, what is actually still really remarkable is that CrossFit as a whole is still doing as well as it is and is still moving forward. Um, unfortunately, I think sometimes we get so hyper fixated on the negative, though, that we forget to identify that positive element. Um, but you're right. With all of that change, it creates a little bit of a tumultuous atmosphere. It creates a little bit of an unsteady you know, like, why is this happening? What's going on? Who is our leader? And you're totally right. When people aren't necessarily completely on board with the leadership, they're not going to buy into the product as much. They're not going to buy into the mission as much. Um, and I'm not saying that people are unwilling to trust the leadership, the current leadership. I think it's more of a, the leadership has changed so much lately and nobody has been in that position for um, a long, a fair amount of time for a while now that there hasn't been an opportunity to completely build the trust. So then when that critical, uh, oh man, now I'm going to start to geek out, Scott. <laughs> so, yeah. so when we start to get that critical uh, approach to analyzing what's going on, then it starts to permeate the culture. And when that culture gets a negative vibe, it's very hard to switch the vibe around. Uh, so my other focus in communication is organizational calm. So looking at systems and groups of people and how they work together and identifying ways to make them work more effectively and, and efficiently. So now you're making me geek out. <laughs> so I think one of our listeners, after I identified your dissertation, went and found it. Uh-huh. I don't know if you can see that on your screen. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm 
I'm humbled and honored. Thank you very much. <laughs> keep it, keep it by your bedside in case you need something to fall asleep to. <laughs> it's, it's very long. <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine a doctoral dissertation. Um, my master's, um, whatever keynote, whatever they want to call it, keystone, uh, project. Like it took, like, I almost got a divorce Ugh, it, because it took so much of my time. Yes. Yeah. I um, tell so people, I can't even imagine at the doctoral level. Well, I tell people all the time, like, I don't regret it at all, at all. However, when I went into the program, I knew I was prepared for the academic rigor. I knew it would be very challenging. What I was not prepared for was the mental and emotional toll it would take just because like you got to just dig your feet in. It is an exercise in resiliency and grit is what it is. I mean, there is a reason that the full completion rate for a doctoral program is so low and it's because you just get so burnt out. And at some point you just have to tell yourself, dig your heels in and don't stop. You are describing my masters to a, a T. Well, I, I got over you. halfway. I got over halfway and was fried. And I looked and I'm like, but you're, you're, you're already past the halfway point. Like it, it's not worth quitting now. And I really, it took a lot of grit yeah. and determination to get the rest of the way through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. When people ask me if they should get their masters, I'm like, you need to think long and hard how much you really want it. Right. Because there's going to be a point where you're going to be asking the question, is it, is it worth it? Yeah. And if your answer isn't going to be yes, then you shouldn't even start. Exactly. And you know, when you think about the type of people that are going to pursue that, they are, um, a little bit type A, <laughs> you know, they're probably high achievers. What, what are you trying to say, Nikki? I, you know, no, nothing. I don't want to be stereotypical, but, um, <laughs> you know, you think about the type of person that is going to embark on that journey. They are probably a little bit of a perfectionist. And what I constantly tell people is for this part of your life's journey, you have to accept and be okay that you are not going to be anywhere near perfect in any realm of your life. You are going to be less than you want in terms of a family member, a friend, a coworker, um, even a scholar, even an academic. Like you have to accept that things are going to be less than you want across the board. And it's a struggle. It's a huge struggle, but it will end. <laughs> so Jeffrey, and I feel horrible for you, Jeffrey. Uh, they all say that I worked on my dissertation in scientific augmentation. Unfortunately, I didn't finish. I yeah. ran out of time. One, it's you so have got to be way smarter than me. Same. Because I don't even know what scientific augmentation is. <laughs> so kudos to you for even putting in the effort to get there. Yes. But I can't even imagine in that realm trying to put together a dissertation. Right. And you know what, Jeffrey, like seriously, be proud of what you accomplish because that is huge. And I think, again, we start to beat ourselves up for the last part of that. But you know what? That last part does not take away the entire process leading up to it. So don't let your feelings about the last part of that journey discredit the rest of that journey. Yeah, it's it's very much like CrossFit, right? We all have that bad workout, <laughs> you know, but we're we're way fitter than we were. Mm -hmm. And sometimes don't get stuck in the weeds because you've come a long way. Yeah, for sure. Well, Nikki, this has been a blast. I feel like I've met a new friend. I feel the same way. I'm so excited. Um, this was a blast. We'll have to, we'll have to stay in touch and have you back on You're you're so engaging and, uh, I love your input on things, Aww. but with that, 
I will let you get back to the rest of your day. It was well, so nice meeting you. Thank you. you so just much. hang on one second after the video and uh, we'll chat. Um, and, but with that, I'm going to let the audience go and catch everybody next time on the Clydesdale Media Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.